are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Guys, he had a nice success, learned a lot growing Addis, exiting to Oracle for a report over 200 million bucks, then took a break at another company, eventually said, you know what? This one man business is the new way to build a company in America. Profitable, 3 million, 4 million bucks in revenue is the way to go. He saw an opportunity, launchcollective.com in 2020. They're now getting thousands of applicants every month, very clear pricing at 300 bucks a month or a slight discount, 15% if you pay upfront. He said, quote, they've got thousands of customers today, caught between 1,000 and 10,000. They've grown using outside capital, 7 million seed raised back in 2020, sold around 15 to 20% of the company, then raise a 20 Series A and a $25 million call it note, right? Extension on the A. We'll see what happens next as they look to grow and scale, add new pricing plans, and continue serving these one man businesses. Hey, folks, my guest today is Human Radfar. He's a serial entrepreneur and the co founder and CEO of Collective, the first all in one financial platform designed for businesses of one. He previously started Add This, which was acquired by Oracle, was a founding partner at XBud, and is an early investor in Uber, Sweetgreen, Convoy, and more. Human, you ready to take us to the top? Let's go. All right. So real quick, again, when was that? Oracle acquired this, right? Correct. What, what year was that? Uh, the acquisition, I believe, uh, was done in 2015. And I want to say it closed the beginning of 2016. Okay. So did you go right into Collective after that or you take a break? No, actually. So I was at Expo at the time and uh, I was very lucky. So I didn't uh, have to join the rest of my team at Oracle. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Now, TechCrunch reported uh, the headline was Oracle buys audience tracking from Addis for around 200 million bucks. So you can really, I assume, do whatever you want. It's good money. It's not FU money. You don't have a private jet, but is that generally accurate? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm really, I'm really grateful for it. That's great. Okay. I guess looking back, there's a lot of founders on right now in a recession. They're all considering selling. Is it just based off what you went through at Addis? Any advice you'd give them on running the process of exiting? Yeah, I think. Honestly, I mean, this is a longer discussion, but my, you know, TLDR advice is you never really want to sell your company. You want your company to get bought. And uh, I know that's a tough thing to say, but in our case at Add This, you know, Oracle had partnered with us across, I think, three different opportunities. And then they'd concluded as a result of those partnerships that it was more cost effective for them to, you know, buy us. And I think that drove a better outcome. When you drive a process to sell your company, Typically, there's a banker involved, and it's almost like a more auction style process. And so, when you just look at the math behind that, you don't often get the outcome you want. Now, of course, if you're stuck in that situation, it is what it is. And so, I would give a different set of advice. But I guess my advice is don't sell if you if you can't uh, if you can wait. That, that's my advice. And then, I guess second question here: some of these folks that are listening right now, maybe they are doing five million in revenue, but they've raised. 2 million from VCs, right? And VCs all want a 10x, which would mean they got to sell for at least 20 million. But these founders are getting offers for 10 million, which they'd still like to take. There's obviously a balance you have to do there. You, I believe, went through the same thing. You guys raised 73.2 million at Add This. If you did sell for around 200, you had to do some kind of management with the VCs because not everyone was getting a 10x. How should founders thinking about that today, managing their VCs specifically, think about it? Yeah, I think ultimately it's a conversation. And most VCs now in particular are, um, more founder friendly. They, they, of course, their first customer, they have to make sure that they're returning their fund and, and their LPs are doing okay. But, you know, while VCs do want to get 
call it that proverbial 10x. It's a portfolio, right? So every company doesn't need to get that 10x. So uh, if a founder, you know, is emphatic and convinced that the best strategy is to sell, and ultimately the VC is getting a positive outcome, you typically can get that to happen. Um, and you know, more often than not, the VCs tend to be aligned. Yep. All right. Let's get into. Let's go get back into collective here. So, what is collective today? Describe your customer. Who's using you? So you'd mentioned we call them businesses of one. That's a term we coined because when we first started. Uh, we called everyone freelancers and uh, maybe obviously uh, some people don't self-identify as that. As an example, my parents, they were both psychiatrists. They were both business of one. I don't think they would consider themselves freelancers, realtors and whatnot. So we we want to work with anyone who's really hanging up a shingle on their own uh, as solo. And, and you know that's 36% of the workforce. So it's a fairly large uh, percentage of the population. How far away from we when somebody takes a company public and there's only one full-time employee, the true business of one? You know, it's actually a really great question. Um, I haven't thought about it, but I know that there are folks that have, uh, you know, when Instagram sold, there was a lot of questions around the um, exit value per employee because I believe Instagram was like sub forty or something like that, and they sold for a billion dollars, and so that's become, you know, a number to track, and it's interesting. Um, I don't know. I guess with AI, that's there. There's that possibility. To be honest, right? So if you I just think there's a lot of founders person. that don't realize how big you can get with a with an army of contractors. And you you have you see this data firsthand. You're sitting on it, so you can look in your database and go, "Wow, these guys." I mean, you're not going to name them, obviously. We can say, "Wow, these guys are doing 10 million." There's only two FTEs. It's amazing. Yeah. So I will say, I have, especially as an operator, been overwhelmed and impressed by the scrappiness of some of these folks. You know. I think, you know, one of my great passions is being a founder, helping founders. And oftentimes I think there's a cognitive bias in the venture community to assume that venture-backed founders are like the, you know, top 1%, right? Honestly, I think these founders are more impressive in many ways. Like my mom, for example, she ran her business for 30 years. She was profitable the whole time, never raised a dollar right now. Granted, the scale of it is smaller, but to your point, if you have contractors and you're, you know, just doing FTEs, you can go pretty far. And again, I, I, I don't want to jump on the zeitgeist here, but there's a really compelling argument. Like, say, for example, you want to build a content-driven business. If you're using tools like ChatGPT and these other things, you can build a fairly large business with very, very few FTEs. So I, I do think we're at the cusp of something uh, interesting, to say the least. So it's a great point. All right. So very good. So just to be clear, like, can you can you name? Do you have any case studies? Can you name a couple of your actual customers today, so we can really get in their head? Um, I mean, we have some of the customers on the website um, that that we can share. I'll send you some over, but um, you know, well, no, here we I'll, had, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll I just want my audience to really get it. So Doug Byer, sure, who's sure. the founder of Windsprint, David, who's a freelance designer how, uh, at DHG on Twitter, uh, David Stewart working on a next gen digital health thing, uh, another freelancer and marketer named Michael. These are the kinds of people that are using you. Exactly, exactly. But we have people who, you know, I remember when Deli Ambaro, she's like a podcaster on CNN, and she had just been starting. I mean, her business skyrocketed. So I think one of the things that we're seeing, which is new for me, is that, um, you know, th- the because the world has become democratized, and you have tools like, look at, look at what we're doing right now, like, folks can go set up a podcast, folks can go set up, you know, TikTok, and the just the self serve na- notion of some of these tools has led to this explosion of these businesses of one that can grow. And we people are making like two, $3 million a year. And they go from zero, you know, maybe in a year. And I've seen it several times now. Now, again, you can look at a venture backed business and say, wow, this is like the pinnacle. But I mean, if you're one person, you get all that gross profit yourself. I mean, that's 
pretty amazing. I mean, no, who man? It's the I'll new American that. dream. It's the new American yeah, dream. Five million so. dollar company with two million in profits. That's better than a white picket fence, you know. I know. I agree with that. I agree with that. And uh, I'm just, I'm really, really excited. Um, I'm learning a ton from our community, so it's been pretty awesome. Talk to me more about how. Let me just, you know, not actually what Doug Binder from Winsprint is paying you, but what is your revenue model? Is it a flat fee? Is it a percentage GMV? Is it something else? How do you monetize? Yeah, great question. So um, we don't do percentage uh, of, of anything like that. It's a flat fee. We want it to be predictable. And we really look at it as, you know, from an ROI driven perspective, ultimately what we're doing is providing a solution, right? By forming your company, providing payroll, doing the books and doing the taxes, that's a solution. And the outcome is we drive tax savings. Now, on average, we're saving $10,000. And for that, we pay a subscription fee, which you will predictably know. You can pay that monthly or annually. And if you pay it monthly, it's like $2.99 a month. So it's a pretty good deal. You get, you know, basically three times what you put into it. Plus it's tax deductible. So how great is that? <laughs> what does that mean though? Like when I go on your site and I look at the pricing page and it's 300 bucks a month, it says business formation. But so why would someone keep paying 300 bucks a month after the business is formed? Oh, great point. Great point. So no, of course, we, we don't just form the entity. So we'll form the entity. We actually will set up your books for you. We have payroll. So payroll comes with it. Bookkeeping comes. So we do your books every single month. We'll do quarterly tax estimates. Um, we'll answer any questions that you have and we'll do your annual taxes. So it's a full service. Again, we deliver that outcome to deliver those savings. That's all the work you have to do because you need to. I mean, as, as you probably know, a lot of the magic comes in how you set your payroll when you're trying to get savings in an S-Corp. So yeah, there's quite a bit of uh, work that goes into it. It's full serve. So one, then one, there's really one plan. It's either paying 300 bucks a month or you're paying $254 per month, but paid annually up front. Those are the only two pricing options. Correct for today. But we have some other options that I think our members have um, helped inspire us to create that we're going to work on. So uh, both in terms of higher end services that some members are demanding, but also, you know, we have, you know, I would say like 50 times more applicants um, than we do uh, members and we're, we're growing very quickly. And part of the reason is because we very much. Wait, sorry, what do you mean by that? I don't, I don't know what you mean by that. Applicants yeah. versus members. So it's a member service, right? Um, so you have to fill out an application. And so we just get tons of applications. Now, one of the reasons that we don't work with people right now is because look, as a small company, we have a focus point and our What's focus small point, human. How many folks are full-time today at our company? Yeah. Yeah. We're about, um, 175 employees. Okay. You're getting up there. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's a real, you have HR problems. I mean, we're 175 people is a real business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think we're still, we're still pretty small and we need to stay focused. And so we focused on the business of one where you can be helped by an S corp. So if your income is between say almost a hundred K and a million, that's our sweet spot. But you know, there's the majority of people are starting out or smaller and we, we can, you know, package our services for an offering there. So yeah, I'm excited to add more plans uh, on the go forward because ultimately our vision is to help all businesses of one, but you know, you got to stay focused at the beginning, right? That if, you, yep. if you're not, then you're not really delivering for anybody. Interesting. So are you fi- like, you would be filing 1040s for these folks or, or one of the other ones, corporate or self-employed? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yes, correct. Okay. Interesting. This must be a massive market. Have you tried to map it? How many folks in the US are self-employed that are doing between hundred K and a million? On the 100K to the million side, uh, it's on the magnitude of, um, I'd say, 3.5 to 4 million. It's a little difficult because there's some overlap in the data, right? Like when you pull it, there's not like a one data source, but I'd say it's about, that's about right. 
Interesting. Well, you're on trend because I think when the jobs report came out recently, another stat that came out is like there's a record number of new business applications being formed over the past quarter or half year or something like that. So cer- certainly on trend here. Um, I guess w- walk me through. So you get tons of applications per month. Where are you getting these applications from? What's sort of the growth strategy? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're an interesting business because I guess you would call us B2B, right? Because we are a business serving other businesses, but their businesses are one. So our um, go-to-market motion is direct-to-consumer, so channels that you'd be familiar with, right? So Facebook, Google, referral is a massive um, channel for us. Um, we opened up affiliate, so like we have opportunities now for people to make, you know, four hundred, six hundred, one thousand dollars per uh, new customer that they sign up. Because do you pay um, that one thousand to an affiliate all up front? Uh, if they sign up a customer, yeah. So there's different tiers. We're still working the affiliate program. Um, we just launched it. And so okay. I think the initial tier is like you get 400 and then I think it goes up to a thousand depending on how far you get along the affiliate program, but we're still working on it, but you know, it's, it's, it's been great. So it looks like that direct consumer motion because there's just so many folks. Right. Um, and they ultimately are individual, but they are businesses. So we have to serve them in that way. And so can you share order of magnitude, how many new applications, not, not what you're accepting, but new applications you're getting every month. Uh, right now, let's see, gosh. I mean, it's thousands right now. I have to go look, but it's, yeah, okay. it's definitely, it's thousands per month. It's increasing like crazy because um, to your point that you'd mentioned earlier, uh, as you know, we're, you know, we're going through some economic uh, turbulence, right? But when you look at 2008, where I was running my first company, what ended up happening is the freelancer population boomed because what do, what do companies that have W2s do in periods of uncertainty? They shift to contract labor. And that either increases the income of existing contractors, right? Because they're already in business or creates opportunity for new contractors. That same phenomenon happened in COVID. We saw it firsthand, right? We saw a boom. And now it seems like it's happening again. So, you know, I've been an investor for years. I have got 50 companies in my portfolio. If you're serving other businesses, they're cutting, you know, like SaaS and all of these other things, they're cutting uh, all their forecast, and we're sitting here. We're growing like crazy, actually. Um, so we're hiring. I think there was just an article in TechCrunch. In fact, we were mentioned in it. I didn't even realize when our employees poured it to us that like we're one of the only fintechs that are that are hiring right now. Yeah, you know, it makes a lot of sense. So thousands new per month. So that means fair to say between one thousand and ten thousand new applications per month, something on that order. Yeah, yeah, easily. Okay, and put this on a timeline for me. When did you launch the company? What year? So we launched uh, officially collective at um, it was September of twenty twenty. Is that also when you wrote the first line of code or was there a bunch of MVP work before that? A lot of MVP work before that. It's a great insight. So um, we, uh, we, did, we closed our seed round at the beginning of 2020, right, right, when, right when the COVID started, in fact. How much was that for? Um, the first seed round, I believe, was on the magnitude of 7 million. And we've and raised 50 million why since. Humin, tell me why you do that. Why people are going to wait. He just sold a company for 200 million bucks. Why, would he, why wouldn't he bet on himself and his next business? He has all the money in the world. Why not keep as much equity as possible? Um, I mean, look, it's expensive uh, to, to start a new business. So, you know, you always you always need outside capital for these types of businesses. We want to build, you know, a brand that's enduring and iconic like a square. And at the pace we want to build it at, it just requires a lot of capital. I think if you want to build a business that's um, sustained off of retained earnings or, you know, the cash flow, that's a different business, right? Then you can, you know, do something more like self-fund, at least at my, at my level. But I mean, even my partner from Expa Garrett, who'd done Uber, I mean, we typically will raise outside capital. It's just a speed issue. Yeah. Second, I would say is the more folks you get around the table, it's not, you know, you get additional perspectives. 
but also it's you know building resiliency in the capital structure, right? So General Catalyst, one of the best investors in the world, top five VC, QED, one of the best fintech investors. So as we're growing, I not only gain their perspectives, but they both, you know, of course, have funds. So as there's periods of economic uncertainty, you have more resiliency in the business, right? It's not just one person. Yep, understood. And I guess most folks, you're also an investor, but most folks in a pre-seed round are selling, you know, 15 to 20% of the company. Were you pretty average there, pretty standard? Um, at that point, yeah, I think that was about right. Yeah, we we okay. did we did we were we were along those lines. And then I cut you off. I apologize for that. You raised more sense then. What was the second round you raised? So our total that we've raised is around 50 million. Okay, got it. Well, when was the second? So 20 did you raise more in 2020 or did you wait to do a series A in 2021? I'm just trying to get the timing of the rounds. Yeah, so I can I can walk you through it. So seed round was in uh, close in 2020, and then in 2021 we had our Series A, and then 2022 um, we saw kind of the economic climate going as it was, and um, we had uh, you know partner that partners that we were really excited about, and so we just did a quick you know small like you know note basically to to you know, move forward. Right, um, I had been through the first one, and uh, I think one of the mistakes that I made is. You know, a lot of founders when they they're used to only the growth period, right? And I was in my twenties. Human, human, real quick. That. Sorry, before you tell the story, can you quantify? So, Series A, how much was the A? Uh, the A was for twenty. Okay, and then what the extension was for another twenty or something like that? Yeah, it was about twenty-five. Okay, sorry. Now, now tell the story. Now that people have the, the numerical context. Yeah, I guess one of the things, and I, I'll speak to all of the entrepreneurs out there. When you've only managed through a period of increasing uh, multiples, right? So what ends up happening is you have one thing to think about. People will think about growth, right? And they'll say, oh, okay, if I wait six months, 12 months, N months, right? All things being equal, my business should be worth more money. That's actually not true in these types of economies because you may wait six months, but if the market is going down and the multiples are compressing, and for those not to know what multiples are, basically a multiple is a proxy, a way you calculate valuation. So you take whatever the forward revenue is, let's say, for example, 10 million, and you multiply it by 10, you get a $100 million valuation. That's an example of how you apply multiple. Those multiples were going down. And so I'm like, wait a minute, I may create more value in the business. I'm convinced I'm going to do that. But the, the value of that later on might be less. So all things being equal, you want to err on the side of speed and you want to raise money at those periods of uncertainty quickly, because that there's a lot of unknown later. It's very difficult to kind of like rock as like a first time like I, I have companies, I would tell them that. I told them in March, April, I'm like, dude, this is this is going crazy. And they waited um, and they had brutal rounds at the end of last so, year. I was going to say, so was that 2022 round you did, call it 2025 million, was that debt from QED or was that like a traditional convertible note that you're expecting to convert to just, equity? Just a note. It's a YC safe that will convert. Yeah. Uh, and it's, interesting. It, yeah. Yeah. So, so we had a bunch of outside investors that we were very lucky. Again, same philosophy. Can we bring more value? Can we bring more folks to the table that can help us? So- you know, we had um, a partner who, who, who was an operator-led fund um, at Anovius. We had the founders of NerdWallet. Um, uh, they came in through, you know, Better Tomorrow Ventures. So that was a great one. It was just a lot of people we wanted around the table anyway, quickly coming in while things were still, you know, it was shaky, but it wasn't quite, you know, where it was. And, and you could see- Flat valuation shift. from the Series A or a little markup? Uh, we were very happy with it. Okay, fair enough. All right, let's talk about where you see the space going, right? So you've got a big customer base now. You're going to build new products for them. I guess, can you give us context there first before you talk about future products? How many customers, how many of these one-man businesses, one-woman businesses are you serving today? Um, Thousands. Okay, so fair to say between 1,000 and 10,000 again? Yeah. Okay, can you break 10,000 this year, you think? Uh, 
there's a lot of ways we can grow faster. Uh, it's a lot of this is so, so let me, let me kind of throw it out there for you. Our problem isn't demand. Uh, our problem, uh, why well, we even say problem, our opportunity is how do we navigate in this environment where, uh, raising money, the cost of raising money has changed because, you know, as a venture backed business, we don't operate profitably. Right. So I can grow way faster. I could grow three, four times faster if I let in more members. The question is that profitability going to work for us? And the answer is, well, probably not. So we have to work on that. So we, we actually are limiting our growth uh, purposefully, which is mm-hmm. tough uh, in certain ways, but um, just to focus on being a little bit more profitable, get a little more progress. So that's, again, another thing that changes. It used to be one variable that people are looking at, hey, what's your top line growth? They looked at the other parts of the system, but with less scrutiny. Now they're looking so at the be whole specific system. though. So break down your rule. You're talking about rule of 40, profits versus growth, right? So a lot of people might have said last year, hey, we're okay to grow 100% and have profits be negative, negative 60% EBITDA to get to your rule of 40. You might have a different combination of that in your pro forma rolling forward. Can you cut break that down for me? Like, What do you hope to grow by top line this year? And what are you happy with on a profitability perspective for the next 12 months? So we don't like rule of 40 for me, uh, it's not something to look at at my stage right now as much. I look more at, um, unit economics. Um, so I look at, you know, gross margin and I look at, um, top line growth, right? Because, uh, for us, when I look, we're a subscription business, which is very attractive. We have incredible retention. Um, and I would say incredible, like above, above 120%. Um, well, we don't, we don't have any upsell, so you can't, you can't do that. Right. Ah, so, okay. you, so, but we, we have very, very strong retention. So we're in the top decile for a category. Let's put it that way. And, well, but who, um, I'm sorry, I have to push, I have to push you back on that because I've had Zen business on, I've had rippling on and, and they've got 130, 140, 150% NDR. You're telling me you don't even have the possibility to go above hundred because you have a new upsell. So how can you say you're top decile? We're top decile on the retention for our core product. So if they were to just look at their, um, their core product and not the add-ons, there's a retention rate there. I would say that in that zone, we I know we're top decile just based on the stats there, but um, they have add-ons. So you brought up Zen Business as an example. They've started to add add-ons or a couple of years ahead of us. We'll start doing that as well. So whether it's add-ons or new plans or you want to upsell plans, like we just don't have that. We're not focused on it. We're focused on our core product right now because once we optimize that, then you can add on more things. So we have that potential, obviously, to go above that 100%. And I think you're absolutely right. We would not be in the top, like if we're a public company, for example, you have to be, it's usually like a buck 20 plus is considered top to sell on a public. Uh, I would say one, 140, 150, 120. I don't know. You'd get a premium for that, but yeah, somewhere in that range. I mean, there's a lot of private companies though, that are at that 130, 140, 150 yeah. private SaaS companies. Correct. Um, to Correct. your point Correct. though, again, you're focused right now. You don't, you haven't upsold anything yet. We'll see what happens there. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll let you know. We'll have to come back and like walk through our attached, yeah. our attached, sorry. Well, listen, I had Ross on three times as he was growing his own business over the past five years. And it's crazy how much he changed his pricing. It's, you know, they were selling one-off things to file the, the thing. And then they tried to... They started plan. as free. Like, uh, I think free. Yeah. Yeah. It's all over the place. And then you've got Rippling that feels like they just want to go build everything. And so they, they get a little dilutive. I mean, I like that you're leading with the persona, the one man, we believe in the one person business. We believe in profitability. I mean, this makes a lot of sense to me. So, um, Hey, listen, we're running short here on time. I do want to try and get a growth number out of you though. So like moving forward, how, what do you hope to grow by top line this year? I mean, are you targeting 50% and you're happy with it or 200? No, what are you no. For? no, I think, um, on the magnitude of like, uh, two to three times is, is what we think is pretty good. Um, okay. you know, cause we have to balance again, that growth and profitability. We're, we're so you think that, you can like, grow 200% like, and stay profitable. On the unit basis, absolutely, yeah. So, oh. like on a per customer basis, is what we do. Yeah, no, we're we're very profitable on per customer basis. We've been profitable on per customer basis um, for 
two years, three years. Yeah, that's great. Well, listen, before we wrap up with a famous five, obviously you have one price point. It's basically 300 bucks a month unless people pay annually. You have a couple thousand customers. If it's a 3,000 customers times that ARPU, you're doing about a million bucks a month in revenue. Are you able to comment on that? Um, benefit of being a private company, no comment. But I, I hope I hope to be able to comment soon when we, get, when we go public. But yeah. All right, fair enough. Let's wrap up here with a famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? My favorite business book? It's probably a little bit Boring. So it's a personal productivity book, uh, if that counts. Uh, so getting things done. Okay. Number two, what's your, uh, is there a CEO you're following or studying? CEO I'm following or studying. I follow quite a few, um, CEOs, but, um, I like the, um, I like the Intel kind of family of CEOs, like the Andy Groves and, and the operators right now, just given the nature of our business is very complex. So I've been like reading a lot about how they work. And number three, and what's Amazon. your favorite? What's your favorite online tool for growing collective? My favorite online tool for growing collective. Um, hmm. Um, wow, that's a good one. Uh, you're just I at your computer HubSpot. this morning. What's something? HubSpot. Okay, there I you go. I guess HubSpot. Yeah. Number four. How many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, I'm pretty. I'm pretty good about my health, so I, I try to keep it at a minimum six point five, but I'm averaging seven point three. All right, there you go. Number four. Uh, sorry, last set of questions here. Uh, what's your situation? Married, single, kiddos? Uh, married, happily. Okay. Any kids? I'm hoping to ship next year. We're working on nice. it. <laughs> Fair. And how old are you, Juan? I'm 42. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20? Uh, it's going to be okay. Guys, he had a nice success, learned a lot growing at this, exiting to Oracle for a report over 200 million bucks, then took a break at another company and eventually said, you know what? This one man business is the new way to build a company in America. Profitable, 3 million, 4 million bucks in revenue is the way to go. He saw an opportunity, launchcollective.com in 2020. They're now getting thousands of applicants every month, very clear pricing at 300 bucks a month or a slight discount, 15% if you pay upfront. He said, quote, they've got thousands of customers today, caught between 1,000 and 10,000. They've grown using outside capital, 7 million seed raised back in 2020, sold about 15 to 20% of the company, then raise a 20 Series A and a $25 million call it note, right? Extension on the A. We'll see what happens next as they look to grow and scale, add new pricing plans, and continue serving these one man businesses. Human, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you so much. I had fun.